And welcome back to another episode of the Locked On College Football Podcast, episode 41. Can you believe we're already 41 episodes in, man? Man, it's kind of crazy to think because it feels like we just started this like last week. But, dude, we got the Senior Bowl coming up, man. It's Oh, man, I can't wait. And we- no podcast is going to give you more in-depth coverage on the Senior Bowl than right here, man. Oh, yeah, and we've been seeing you guys' comments that you have been leaving under the podcast, and we really do appreciate that. Continue to leave those reviews just because we really like to interact with you guys. And if there's some improvements or some topics that you would like to be or, or you would like to hear us talk about, don't be afraid to leave that in the comments as well. So as Jonah alluded to, we are going to get into the defensive preview for the Senior Bowl. If you missed out on the offensive preview, we went over that in our last show, and we also recapped the national championship between Clemson and LSU. So if you missed that, be sure to check out episode 40. But now on episode 41, we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl defensive prospects that we're looking forward to the most. So I'm going to start with this thing from front to back. Front to back meaning that we're going to start with the first level defender. So we're going to start with the defensive line. There's some really notable names that, of course, I want to get to. Javon Kinlaw definitely is one. Another one is Devon Hamilton, more of a later down the line guy. But some some of the headliner names as far as the first level guys of the defense that we're talking about in this event, Javon Kinlaw, Deville Gallimore, Raekwon Davis. And there's some other names that we're looking forward to as well. But I think those three really headline the group for the most part. And then you're getting into your second tier guys like Aleki Fotu, uh, Robert Windsor, Devon Hamilton, Daryl uh, Taylor, and then those names along those lines. So of those names that we did mention, or even if one that I did not get to, who are some of the prospects that you're looking forward to the most? Man, I'm really looking forward to seeing Raekwon Davis in this game. Because I don't know about you, but when you look at this guy just on tape, six foot six, three fifteen, those long arms, man, he can do some damage if he puts it all together. The fact is that you know, he's had, what, three sacks since his eight-sack season as a sophomore. So as, as he peaked, you know, in terms of his physical performance, looking at his physical profile, I don't think he has yet. I still think there's a lot of untapped potential here. But how consistent is he going to be? Because there's no way. He's way too talented to have just three sacks in two seasons. This guy has, you know, the size, the power, the athleticism. He's too talented. So you have to, you have to ask the question, why? So I think you invisible for too long. What's it going? Is it a motor thing? Is it a technique thing? I don't know. But I think some coaching staff is going to fall in love with him after seeing him mobile. I think this event is designed for him to succeed. Because like those interior offensive linemen, his one-on-one drills, it's not really realistic for those guys. You know, they don't have you know help on either side. It's not really realistic outing for them. But for these defensive tackles, they can bull rush the heck out of these guys and they can look really good. So Raekwon Davis, I think, is going to look really good for this event. And I'm interested to see you know, where he's going to be valued because his production hasn't been there. But he's all about traits, man. I I think a lot of teams are really going to like him. And the thing about Davis is that what you worry with him is that has he bumped his head on his ceiling? And that's something that we talked about a lot with this podcast just because he talked about the ASACs that he had early on in his career, but he just hasn't been able to return to that form. And he's been through a lot in his career at Alabama. I don't want to go through the laundry list of things that he's been through as far as from an off-the-field standpoint and, of course, on the field as well. Playing out of position, I thought, a lot as a junior, but now he slid back inside during his senior year. But the production still was limited despite him going back to really his home position, taking over for Quentin Williams in a sense. So 
The production just wasn't there. It hasn't been there since his breakout year early on in his career. But Neville Gallimore, he's definitely one guy that I think could really be a huge winner of this event just because explosiveness. That's the one thing that really mm. stands out about him. He's one of those guys that's always going to hustle to the ball. I think he's going to stand out not only in the one-on-one drills just because of his power and his first-step explosion, but he's he's able to transition that speed to power really well along the interior. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. And, of course, all eyes are going to be on Javon Kinlaw. Incredible story, a guy that overcame homelessness and then had to go to JUCO route before even getting to South Carolina. So he's one guy you know is going to relish the opportunity and just being here. He's not just going to be satisfied with being here. He's going to try, try to make a name for himself, and we've seen him pegged already in the first round. But I think he could start to get some top 15 steam if he's able to stand out at this event. Yeah, I think a couple other guys I want to mention. Lucky Fotu from Utah. This is a guy that I think a lot of people know for two-gap, nose tackle, one-technique kind of guy. But in this event, he has a big chance to really show what he has from a pass rush perspective. And it's going to be a big chance for him to kind of unleash that to scouts and coaches. Because on his Utah tape, he's not asked to really do that as much. You can see that in his box score production. Just doesn't have a lot of sack numbers. But this is a guy that just did his role and did it well. So I want to see him, especially one gap here, and had an opportunity to go one-on-one with some of these guards and centers. Uh, another two guys I want to mention here, both in this defensive end edge, edge group, and I know that, you know, we'll talk about those later, but Marlon Davidson from Auburn and Jason Stobridge from North Carolina. I'd like to see both these guys get inside reps. So I think their best ball in the NFL might come inside. So I want to see if they can show that position flexibility, come inside three technique, one gap, principally five technique, and do all that. So I think these would be good reps to see how they go face up against guards, potentially even center, see how they play against those guys inside because neither of them really had that kind of experience playing inside at college, but I think that's where they're going to be best at the next level. Definitely agree with that. Looking forward to seeing both of those guys as well, especially seeing how much value that Lakey Fotu has as a pass rusher and just how well diverse his hands are, just because he shows to be really strong as far as a run defender. And I think that's where most of his value lies. But in order to be a guy that consistently play all three downs, he's going to have to show something as far as a repertoire of a pass rush. So, he has something to prove. Looking forward to seeing all of those guys. And then one guy that I do want to mention is Bradley Anai from Utah, a guy that we both are big fans of just because he's not an overly bendy guy or an explosive edge rusher. But as far as hand-to-hand combat and the craftiness that he does show with his hands, I thought he was much better this year as opposed to years past. And I thought he he obliterated Austin Jackson from USC. I thought he absolutely yep. took him to the woodshed in that game, and he worked him all game long. And that's absolutely. a great game to look at to see how well how or how mature his hand usage is. Yep, and like I said, Darrell Taylor. Darrell Taylor is another guy that's really explosive. He's kind of like the anti Bradley and I. Yeah, I think he needs to work more on his technique. But this guy, man, super explosive, super bendy. Tennessee really didn't unleash him as a pass rusher. I know he had. Yeah, he had eight and a half sacks. That looks productive, but that was really only in four games. He had those kind of numbers. So he's a little inconsistent, but the traits are all there. Super, I mean, this guy's bent, super athletic kind of guy. I heard he runs somewhere in the four fives. Yeah, it's five two forty. This guy's going to be a freak, but he just doesn't really put it together on tape as much as you'd like. And I, I'm a big fan of his, because I think what he could be. And this, I think this event is where he's designed to succeed because he didn't really have a lot of these one-on-one pass rush looks at Tennessee because what they asked him to do, they asked him to be more of a contained guy, run defender guy. Uh, I, I want to see him get on leash and just go after the quarterback. Potentially, I think, in a 3-4 scheme, I think at his best, 
because I think he still needs to put on some pounds, play four three with his hand in the dirt. But to me, Darrell Taylor has as much pass talent as anybody here at the Senior Bowl. And I think this event is designed for him to succeed. And if he's going to have a spotlight on him, man, he can really showcase his talent here the next week. I'm with you. And the one thing that does worry me with Taylor is that he kind of gets up. He's what I call a schedule circular. So mm-hmm. he'll see, he'll go and look at the schedule and he'll see which teams he's playing that week, whether it's Alabama or, you know, Auburn or whoever the Tennessee does play that week. And he'll play to the level of his competition. And I think, I think the world of him is an edge rusher, but he has to figure out a way to not be so hot and cold and really find that fine line of temperature that he wants to play with just because I think he can be one of the best edge rushers in this class five years from now. But I don't know if that's just something he got comfortable with as far as, you know, just playing up to the competition or the team that he was playing against. But, of course, the competitive edge is definitely going to come out of him at this event. So I'm right there with you that he could be a huge riser after this just because he plays to the level of his competition. He's going to be going against the best of the best in this event. That's the whole reason why he's competing at the Senior Bowl. So maybe now we'll see that on and off switch kind of be eliminated to just being on at this event. Yeah, I think another guy we have to mention here is Jonathan Grenard. Man, yeah. I think tackles are going to have a hard time holding him because this is a guy that I think is probably the most fluid of the edge rushers here in terms of having the bend and getting able to get around the arc. I think, you know, offense tackles, Alex Taylor's, Trey Adams, guys who are kind of, you know, taller, more stiff. Man, Grenard is going to give them a lot of trouble because Grenard is explosive, quick first step. A lot of his games won on quickness. And you saw that at Florida this year where I think everyone thought Jabari Zuniga was the top edge rusher there. But as the season went on, I know Zuniga was hurt, but as the season went on, Grenard was the kind of guy who asserted himself and said, hey, don't forget about me. And I think a lot of NFL teams are going to value him as the better prospect as opposed to Zuniga. And, you know, that motor, that quickness, and just that closing speed to, you know, close on the quarterback. I think Grenard is going to come out of this Senior Bowl event and come out as a, you know, possibly even a top 60 lock, definitely a day two lock. This guy has a lot of talent, a lot of good tape. If he puts it on a mobile, man, his stock's just going to keep getting higher and higher. I think this is one of the more underrated and talented groups of any in mobile. And I say that just because there's high end talent. I think there's very good day two talent and there's some really good day three talent. Yep. As well, I think this is one group that really is littered with talent on all three days that we could see end up being serviceable starters and even high end starters on the next level. So really excited about this D line group. But yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's noteworthy. To add to that. I think it's noteworthy to point out that Khalid Kareem pulled out of this event. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was gonna be possibly the top edge rusher, you know, gr- graded here by the NFL scouts. He had to pull out of the event. So I just want our listeners to know that if they were expecting him to play, he's not going to be there. Yeah, really unfortunate about that just because I think he could be a really good fit for three, four teams as that four technique. And similar to a guy who we were talking about earlier, Jason Strobridge, I think they kind of are in this similar mold. Now, I think he's a bit more twitchy than what Strobridge does bring to the table. But I think as far as the role that both of them can play, I think they are very similar. So really unfortunate about that. I was really looking forward to seeing just how twitchy he really is. Uh, otherwise, he was destined, destined to be a 3-4 defensive end. So uh, unfortunate about that. We probably won't see him until the combine. I really don't know. Nothing has been specified as why as he pulled out of the event, the reasoning behind it or anything. So we'll see if something does come out a little bit later about that. But I want to transition to the next level, the second level 
of defensive prospects. And we're talking about the linebackers here. And I think this is another group that is really underrated, even though we know this isn't a very great linebacker class overall. But we do have some headliner names in this group, Terrell Lewis, Malik Harrison, and also surprisingly, Anthony Jennings is listed as an inside linebacker. So we'll see what goes on Hmm. with that after playing defensive end at Alabama. So maybe this is something that NFL teams are telling him that he could be better as, or if this is just an experiment that he himself is trying to determine exactly what he wants to do. Then we have your guy, Evan Weaver from Cal, who I'm sure is definitely going to turn some heads, maybe not in an athletic department, but as far as his instincts and his leadership, I think that's something that he does bring to the table. Now, one guy that I will be keeping a close eye on is Akeem Davis Gaither from Appalachian State. I think that's one guy that's really going to look very twitched up in this event that's going to catch a lot of eyes. And then another name that is starting to catch some first-round steam now that really wasn't on either one of our radars coming into the year, and that's Zach Bond from Wisconsin. I think he's going to – he's a guy that's probably going to experiment some at defensive end and also a linebacker as well, whether that's at Sam or Will. I think that's something that NFL teams probably will will determine during the week. But he's not a Mike. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's pegged in the middle. But I think he can't play Sam or either Will just because he has the measurables and he has the twitch in order to do so. So Zach Bond, a guy that is very high on both of our big boards, I believe I had him in my top 40. I believe it's not. Uh, so we're very on the same page with that guy. So really looking forward to seeing him. And that's something that you want to see with early round guys, especially guys that are projected to be first round picks. You want them to stand out at this event. You talk about the guys from last year, whether it was Gary Bradbury, um, who else did we see? Titus Howard got better during yep. the week. Both of those guys ended up being Andre first Dillard. Round picks. Andre Dillard, Montez Sweat, all those guys like that, those early round selections. You want to see them stand out throughout the week. So with Zach Bond, that's something that I'm going to be looking forward to the most. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest themes with this year's Senior Bowl is going to be position flexibility. You look at guys who can do multiple things. Akeem Davis-Gaither, Zach Bond, Cameron Brown from Penn State's another guy. Davion Taylor from Colorado is another guy. So I, I think there's going to be a stark difference. When we get to those one-on-one coverage drills against the running backs, tight ends, and those kind of players, man, there's going to be a stark difference between these linebackers. Whereas I think Davion Taylor, Akeem Davis-Gaither, you know, and Cameron Brown are going to look really good because they have good movement skills, good fluidity. They, tr- they pretty much project well to that will linebacker role uh, where they can, you know, possibly guard these tight ends of man coverage and move more freely. They're going to look a lot better in these coverage drills than guys like TJ Brunson, Malik Harrison, Evan Weaver, who are more, these, you know, early down plotters who can, you know, just uh, probably two down guys in the next level Mike linebackers projected. So, it's going to be really interesting to see how these Mike linebackers at the event come into this game and see how they fare in man coverage. Because I want to see Evan Weaver, you know, turn and run. I want to see Malik Harrison play in coverage. Same thing with TJ Brunson as well. I think for each of those three guys, movement skills and coverage skills are kind of the reason why they're not going to be, you know, why the reason why they're not pretty much day two locks. You know, I, I think they're pretty much all day three guys jumble up here. Malik Harrison may be the highest of that bunch. But Weaver and Brunson especially, I want to see them move in coverage as opposed to, you know, a lot of these other guys like Davis Gaither and Brown, who I know are going to look good. But these Mike linebackers, you know, these one-on-one drills can be exposure drills, man. Definitely, especially going to get some of these twitchier running backs that are in this group like Eno Benjamin or Keyshawn Vaughn, and there's some others as well that are really twitched up, that are that are really well-diversed pass catchers out of the backfield as well. So, that's something that is really required for linebackers now. You have to be able to 
have some type or be some type of a, a reliable threat as far as a pass defender. So in coverage, and that's something that is really going to be put to the test with these linebackers. And like you mentioned with uh, Evan Weaver and some of the other names, TJ Brunson was another name that you mentioned as well. You have to find a way to be reliable in coverage. Otherwise yep. there's no way you can be a starter in today's league. Yep. And you know what, for a lot of these linebackers, it's either, you make plays in coverage or you make plays on special teams because if you can't do either of the two, you're not making a roster. I mean, right. so, <laughs> so, so two of these guys, uh, you know, they, they have a big opportunity ahead of them. I mean, they have a lot to gain, uh, but they also have a lot to lose. You know, I, I'm always a big proponent of you can't really lose anything if you go to the senior bowl. But I mean, a lot of scouts will remember if, you know, they can't turn running backs like Michael Hasty and Antonio Gibson beat them bad. Those one-on-one drills. And it's just someone going to confirm that, you know, they're probably two down linebackers or special teams players at best at the next level. So Weaver and Brunson have a big challenge ahead of them. And extending goes from Malik Harrison, Francis Bernard, all these other guys, you know, even Logan Wilson, these guys need to show up in these coverage drills because you know, like you said, Akeem Davis Gaither, Zach Bond, Davion Taylor, who might be even a signal. These linebackers are going to be look a lot better. They're going to look a lot more fluid. So it's going to be a big stark difference. So these Mike linebackers can really, you know, rise to the occasion and kind of close that gap. It'll mean a lot for their draft stock. I'm definitely really excited about this group and what they can show. I think there's some really good headliner names in that group as well. But before we move on and we talk about the secondary, we're going to split the cornerbacks and the safeties up into two groups when we come back from a quick word from our sponsor. So when we come back after the break, we will talk about the secondary of the defensive prospects in the senior bowl. So without further ado, here's a quick word from our sponsors. All right, and we are back to talk about the secondary, the position that you like to call home. This is your area of expertise. Hopefully we don't spend two hours talking about this group just because it definitely could be deemed worthy, even though your heart got broken earlier just because it is of note oh, that no. Jeff Gladney did pull out of the Senior Bowl. He is no longer listed on Man. the Senior Bowl roster. And, of course, just like Khalid Kareem, we do not know exactly why or what happened with the situation. But Jeff Gladney is no longer listed on the Senior Bowl roster. We'll see if, if the reasoning for it does eventually come the out. The best and defensive back there. He was yeah. the best defensive back there. I know people like Christian Fulton, Ashton Davis. But to me, I think he was the only first-round defensive back I had over there. So I, it's, it's really, you know... Like you said, it's heartbreaking. It's like when you Christmas morning, you look there, yeah, you open so up the close. present, and it's like <laughs> it's like you're a kid, right? You get like a it's like a box of clothes. You're like, oh damn it! But when you're so a, when close. you're an adult, yeah. yeah, you love the clothes. But man, when you're a kid, it's like when Jeff Gladney pulled out the Senior Bowl, it's like you got a pair of socks. You're like, oh man. So yeah. you know, we'll we'll have to live on. But Jeff Gladney to me was the best player of that secondary group, and the only first round defense back I had. Definitely agree with you there. So. Uh, the thing about this cornerback class in the Senior Bowl is that I think they come in a bunch of different shapes, sizes, and heights as well. Just because, I mean, you have your nickel corners like uh, Darnay Holmes is one guy that definitely stands out as a surefire nickel with saying Bassey from Wake Forest is another one. Then you have your long archetypes like uh, A.J. Green from Oklahoma State, Lamar Jackson from Nebraska, and even a Michael Ujimudie. Uh, a guy that that you are very familiar with, and I believe you wrote an article about him yes. a couple of days ago as well. That is your archetype as far as those big, long, lanky corners that the NFL is really turning to, and that's something that I'm going to be looking forward to uh, in this matchup, just because 
there's a different variety of receivers here, but there's also a different variety of cornerbacks as well that really do struggle to transition in and out of their breaks. So it's kind of a a situation where they cancel each other out. So I want to see exactly who's competing the most. And I just love cornerbacks who chirp a lot, man. I don't know what it is about it. I just love guys that are very confident and they just talk endless junk to the wide receivers, but they do back it up at the same time as well. So going to be seeing who are, who is a chirper out there, who is very confident. And I think uh, without making a prediction, or I should with making a prediction, I think Lamar Jackson might be one of those guys uh, just because he shows on <laughs> film that he is a very loud talker. Uh, Darnay Holmes is another one that isn't shy about letting his presence be unknown. But Kendall Vildor is another guy who I'm looking forward to seeing as well. Uh, he had really good games this year against Minnesota and LSU, even though they both did get lit up uh, on the scoreboard. <clears throat> Excuse me. They both did light up the scoreboard on Georgia Southern. I thought the the assignments that he was contained with, I thought he played good against whenever he was on Rashad Bateman and uh, Tyler Johnson. I thought he did an admirable job on both of those guys. And even at LSU, I thought he did uh, a, a serviceable job as well. So just seeing how he adjusts to the speed of the game, once again, another one of those guys that comes from a different lower level of competition, not as much of a step down as far as a one double A or D two or D three prospect, but the speed of the game is just a bit different than what he's going to see from some of these receivers. So Kendall Vildor is definitely one guy that I'm definitely going to have a close eye on. Yeah. And then you mentioned Michael Ojemudier from Iowa. Love his tape. I think this is a guy that big, good playmaking ability. Um, I just wonder about his ability to turn. I wonder about his hip stiffness. But the good news for Ojemudier is that a lot of the receivers he's going up against struggle to separate. These big old guys, Colin Johnson, Brian Edwards, um, Antonio Gandy-Golden. So Ojemudier, I think, has a chance to really shine this week. Uh, this is a guy, like I said, good ball skills, um, strong, physical. I don't think these big wide receivers are going to be able to box him out like they would, say, a guy like Darnay Holmes or a Christian Fulton. I think Ojemudia is kind of a different kind of cat. So watch for Ojemudia to kind of shine in these, you know, one-on-ones. Another guy I want to mention here who has a big, you know, challenge this week is Troy Pride Jr. from Notre Dame. I'm a, I'm a fan of his. And I know his tape isn't as great as a lot of these other guys playing, but, man, this guy has traits for days. He's about six foot, 190, 4'3 speed, probably one of the fastest guys here in Mobile. Um, he just – there are plays that remind you of somewhat, somewhat of like Byron Jones when he's with the, on the Cowboys. Just a really, you know, quiet, lockdown guy who does his business, but just locks down the perimeter. But there are just other times where he, there's just so many plays that he let, leaves on the field. And I think the biggest problem with him is at the catch point. And when you're facing a lot of these guys like Michael Pittman Jr., Colin Johnson, you know, Denzel Mims, guys who are so great at attacking the ball in the air. I wonder if Troy Pride is going to come into some struggles this week. So I, I'm really hoping to see him elevate his game. Because he, his best games on tape are against some of the best competition, um, against USC in particular. So Troy Pride Jr., I know he has the speed, and I know he has the quickness and the athletic traits to really stick with these guys laterally and vertically even. But I just want to see him contest the catch point a lot better. He gets, either loses the ball. Or he just, you know, he just doesn't attack it aggressive enough. And it's, it's the same kind of thing with Byron Jones to where, you know, what's really held him back from being an elite cornerback is not making enough plays on the ball. So Troy Pride Jr. is kind of a lesser version of that, especially, you know, because I don't think he has a, a kind of playmaking ability. But, man, I want to see him really elevate 
part of his game next week in Mobile. And with Gladney pulling out, I think now with Fulton probably being the biggest headliner name, I don't really know who the second best guy is in this group. Yep. So I think by the end of the week, we definitely will be, we definitely will know who that second best guy is. And I think this is a prime opportunity for a lot of these guys to step up, especially now with Gladney out of the picture. And that's something that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing. Who just steps up in this group? Who's very confident? Who's out there shutting guys down? And talking junk back to him as well while also backing it up. That's something that we saw Rocky Asin do last year, and that ended up being – and he ended up being a second-round selection, I should say. His stock really went through the roof, and the senior bowl really did help him as far as boosting his stock when he was going back and forth with Debo Samuel in this event. That was a really fun matchup to watch last year uh, during the South team practices. So – Really looking forward to seeing how this cornerback group does. Did you have anything else to add to this group? And you know who might be that second guy? is UCLA Darnay Holmes. Yeah. And I think this is a guy who had, yeah, by all accounts, pretty much a down year this season as a junior. Um, so I, I, I want to see him. This is a guy like you said about uh, Darrell Taylor. He's a schedule circler, right? He shows up for the big games. He wants to, you know, impress on the big stage. Because I think when he plays some of these lesser competition, it, it, his game just isn't like you, you can see he's not as invested into it and that kind of bothered me but you just look at his speed I mean he's the only guy I watched in 2018 that could really run stride for stride with Hollywood Brown so no one's gonna be able to outrun him or outpace him vertically in these one-on-one drills but I think a lot of people don't realize that he's super physical and super tough and I, I don't think he's gonna back down to these big receivers and I, I know MJ Stewart hasn't had the NFL career a lot of people hope for but when he was in Mobile two years ago same kind of dude, no one could uncover themselves from him. And I think Darnay Holmes kind of a similar kind of week to where a lot of these big receivers struggle to separate against him. They can't beat him vertically. And even these quick, you know, twitchy guys like Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, they're going to have trouble with, with Darnay Holmes as well. So Holmes has a chance to really elevate himself as that number two guy behind Fulton, especially gliding out. So big week for Holmes to show that he's not just a slot corner, but he can also play on the outside as well. And that goes back to what we talked about early on in this this discussion, just saying that you have your outside corners and then you have your standout nickel corners. And Darnay Holmes definitely is one guy that is probably primarily going to play the slot in this game, but he's going to get his chance to go against some of these bigger-bodied outside yep. guys as well, like Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Brian Edwards, and then some of the other guys along the lines as well. So looking forward to seeing not only getting him getting some slot reps, but also we get a preview of him on the outside as well just to see how he competes and if that length really does bother him. Yeah, I think another guy we have to mention here is A.J. Green for Oklahoma State. I think yeah. he's going to be a late riser up boards because his length, and he has really good ball skills, man. I, I think if there's one guy who's going to really challenge these big wide receivers at the catch point, Man, I'm, I think I'm putting my money on A.J. Green. This guy really is, you know, well-versed at attacking the ball aggressively. That's, I think that's his best attribute coming out of Oklahoma State, is ability to play the ball in the air, plays really well with his back to the ball, baits uh, quarterbacks in zone coverage. I really like his football intelligence and his, his aggressiveness in the air. The big question with him, though, is turning and running and, you know, flipping his hips and all that. I think he's a little stiff in that department, one of the taller guys here. So it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic against some of these bigger receivers who can't really separate as well. So he's another guy that could be a really late riser because, you know, in terms of what the NFL wants, length, ball skills, speed, he's that kind of specimen. I think A.J. Green's really going to turn some heads if he goes up against these big receivers and doesn't back down against these guys. Looking forward to this group. 
And I can't wait, man. I'm so excited about the Senior Bowl. Once again, we always talk about how it's like Christmas for us. And we are once again a day closer uh, to the Senior Bowl. So really excited about that. But before we move on and we talk about we finish up with the safeties, I should say, here's a quick word from our sponsors. And we are and we are back, excuse me, finishing up with our final segment, talking about the safeties in this class. And this is another group similar to the corners that really does not have that headliner name that we are accustomed to seeing. Like last year, we had Darno Savage in this group, a guy that stuck out immediately. Nasir Adderley was another name that really stuck out really well after this event or during the week of this event, I should say. And we were supposed to get Jonathan Abrams during the event last year, but he did suffer an injury the week prior to, so he wasn't able to participate. But in this group, we don't have that surefire first rounder, but I think we have some day two and early day three guys that I think will have a chance to hear or to boost their stock. I should say Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan. We both know how I feel about him. A guy who is going to, I'm just going to tell you right now, he's going to win the way in just because, I mean, he, he's, he looks like he was sculpted by a professional sculptor. That's how well he, that's how well put together he is. Ashton Davis is another name that we are both big fans of. And then Jeremy Chin, one oh, player yeah. that I am looking forward to seeing the safety out of Southern Illinois. And I know you, you're a fan of him as well. So looking forward to seeing those three guys, but is there any other guys in this group that really stick out to you or someone that you will have a dot beside during the week of practices to pay closer attention to? Yeah, I have a lot of dots next to you guys, but for the wrong reasons. I, I need them to show me that they belong here. I mean, for Josh Metellus <laughs> right. from Michigan. I mean, I, I, it feels like, you know, his family hates us for calling him out so many times, but man, I just don't know if he has the coverage chops. I think he's, I think he's okay coming down run sport. I think he's physical enough. I think he has a physical profile you look for, but in terms of pure coverage standpoint, I'm not sure he belongs here. And I know that's a little harsh, but I need to see him prove to me that he's good enough man coverage to be an NFL guy at the next level. Um, you know, guys like Jalen Elliott, same same sort of thing. Is Jalen Elliott, you know, be able to rise to occasion man coverage? I think a lot of these safeties are going to be exposed. These athletic tight ends, man. We talk about this tight end class. You know, basically the entire tight end class for 2020 is here in Mobile. So you talk about a lot of athletic guys, Jared Pinkney, Bryson Hopkins, Adam Troutman, Harrison Bryant. These are all guys that can really make these guys look bad in these one-on-one drills and these running backs too. So, you know, like guys like Brian Cole, Antoine Brooks, Loey Gilmon, Jalen Elliott, Josh Metellus, Kayvon Wallace. How are these guys going to look in man coverage? That's going to be a big tell. So I think a guy like Terrell Burgess is going to look really good. I think a guy like Jared Maiden is going to look really good. I think he has experience in man coverage in the nickel as well, cornerback background. So we're going to get a really early look at which safeties can cover and which ones cannot because some of these have a cornerback man coverage background. Some of them are more that, you know, outside linebacker, hybrid, strong safety kind of player. So we'll see who stands out immediately. But I think these one-on-one drills, I've always said it, they're exposers. And, you know, it will show the difference of who can cover and who cannot. (laughs) We're going to find out who can dance and who has good hips really, really early. And, you know, guys like uh, Antoine Brooks Jr., he's going to struggle just because he isn't yep. a man coverage guy. He's more of a, exactly. a rover type that's just mainly a blitzer off of the edge. So really not expecting much from him out of the one-on-ones. And then the Lohe Gilman, 
the safety from Notre Dame. He's more of a zone coverage type of safety. Exactly. A, a guy, a cover three guy that you really want in the hook to curl areas as far as that low safety. You don't want him on the roof of a defense or anything like that or playing man coverage just because in the college football playoff game last year against Clemson, I think he really mm-hmm. got exposed a lot, not only yep. in zone coverage, but when forced to play man-to-man as well. And that's something that I think is really an uphill battle for him going forward. Yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll bring the positive out here. I think Jeremy Chen's going to look really good. Jeremy Chen, also a former yeah. cornerback. And I think he, he's another guy that's going to win the weigh-in. Absolutely sculpted. This is the guy that you know passes the eye test immediately, just like Kyle Duggar. I think both Duggar and Chen are going to look really good. I think both are just really good athletes, and both guys can move. Both play a little bit of man coverage and zone coverage, so they had that kind of experience. Jared Maiden, former cornerback, I think he's going to look good. Terrell Burgess is the one I really have my eye on because, and for the good reasons, uh, not for the bad reasons like Josh Patelis, but I really believe Terrell Burgess is a guy that's going to show his position flexibility. I wrote an article for the Draft Network this morning about how this is the biggest sleeper. Burgess is the biggest sleeper at this event because he can play every position in the secondary. He did it at Utah this, uh, this past year. I mean, he played outside corner, slot corner, box safety, deep safety, nickel defender. He does it all. And I think the more the better. If, if is the Senior Bowl has him listed as a DB, not just a safety. So I expect Jim Nagy and the staff to really use him all over. You know, put him at corner sometimes, put him at nickel, the safety, use him all around in a team a team play and all of that. So I'm really interested to see Terrell Burgess and his position flexibility because in today's you know NFL, I talk about positionless football a lot. So it's kind of like the NBA with the stretch five, the stretch four, how your power forwards are now playing centers. Well, it's kind of like the NBA, it's kind of like the NFL because linebackers are now playing, or safeties are now playing linebackers. Your safeties now playing corners. Like you, everyone has to play everywhere. Like your linebackers have to move like safeties. Your safeties have to move like corners. Your corners have to be able to play inside and out. So I think Burgess kind of fits that mold. And I think if he can show that kind of position flexibility, that ability to play in man coverage at different spots, that's going to mean so much for his draft stock. And don't be surprised. If you look at the biggest risers coming out of this event, Terrell Burgess is the name that headlines it all. You said a really good mouthful right there, and I'm completely in agreement with you with Terrell Burgess. I think he really got overshadowed a bit in that Utah secondary just because everyone talked about Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson, and some others as far as not only the secondary but in that defense as well. We've already talked yeah. about Bradley and I, Lecky Fotu and some other guys as well. So there's a lot of notable names in this event from Utah. Francis but, Bernard. Yeah, Francis Bernard is another name as well, but he's been more of a later-down-the-line guy as far as who we've talked about. And I'm speaking on Burgess here as far as, you know, he hasn't been talked about a lot just because there's been some more headliner names uh, on this defense. But I think he could prove to be the best of the bunch. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's one of the first outside of Jalen Johnson, if he's one of the first drafted amongst oh, this absolutely. group. So so really excited about him. Yeah, I think he's a top 100 lock. And I know that yeah. sounds crazy because some people don't even have that in that range at all. I think I have him somewhere in the 60s, 70s on my new big board. So this is a guy that I'm just telling you, the NFL loves position flexibility. And if you're a safety, you can do multiple things. Play in man coverage, zone coverage, play in the box, you know, possibly play nickel defender. Burgess can really do it all. I've seen him play yeah. deep safety, play deep zones against USC. I don't know if you saw this interception against USC, but he made a great read in cover mm-hmm. too, man. I'm telling you, this is a guy that can really do it all. And if he can show that to coaches, like he can move, be a chess piece. It, the more you can do, the better. It is in the NFL, like I said, the base nickel defense. You have to play multiple spots, and you know, and that helps your chance to play on a roster, helps your chance to play multiple schemes. 
so you can stay in the NFL longer. Burgess, to me, it just fits that mold. And I'd be surprised. I, you know, I'd be shocked if, you know, he goes past the top 100. This guy has too much versatility, too much coverage potential to be outside of the top 100 pick. And that's something that you love to see, especially with safeties that are expected to go in that range. You want them to have that versatility. You don't want them to be a one-trick pony in the sense where they're just a blitzer off the edge or they're just a cover right. guy who can't tackle. Right. And, like, you know, like, we're talking about guys like Alohi Gilmon, Josh Metellus, um, you know, Khalid Hudson. These are all guys that, to me, are just boxed into kind of a, like one singular role. Yeah. And to me, I just don't think you can play safety at the next level and do that. Your safeties have to you, safeties today in, in the NFL have to be able to do multiple things. Yeah. And we've seen several, several safeties, you know, good safeties five years ago flame out today because they can't play man coverage. They can't play nickel when they're asked to be. I mean, everything in today's NFL is man coverage base. So you have to be able to play some form of man coverage. If you can't, then your spot in the NFL is probably going to be relegated to special teams. So yep. that's why, you know, Josh Metellus, big week for him. Jalen Elliott, you know, Aloe Gilmon, Kalik Hudson, Kayvon Wallace, step up to the plate, man. Because this is going to be your proving ground to say, hey, I can, I can last in the NFL man coverage. If they look bad next week, oh, man, it's, it, it's going to be hard to bounce back from that because their tape really doesn't show any good man coverage reps either. Right. Really interesting group. And that was a full breakdown, man. That was really fun as far as the defensive prospects. We dive deep into that, and we're excited about that. But that is our show for today. And just remember, you're not going to get more in-depth reviews from a roster standpoint and then just a prospect by position than what you will find on this podcast. And that's not a brag or anything like that. But me and Jonah take tremendous pride in what we do. We love the scouting side of things, and we love just finding out about these prospects how their playing styles are, what makes them tick, and things of that nature. And that's what we'll continue to find out down in Mobile next week. So just hang tight with us next week, guys. It's going to be a bit of a sporadic schedule just because we have a lot going on with practices and some of the things that we have to do. But, of course, we're going to produce a show every single day just to give you guys some of the insights and the little nuggets that maybe that weren't apparent on NFL Network just because I know the TV copy you don't really get to see a whole bunch besides what they want to show you. So We'll get to tell you the real side of things and what exactly happened from the North and South practices from throughout the week. But once again, I am your co-host, Jordan and, and Reed. Jordan, and Jordan, yeah, let's, go ahead. Let's, let's, let's tell the listeners what we have in mind, man. I'm telling you, you know, next time they're going to be seeing us is going to be, you know, or hearing from us is in Mobile at the yeah, event. We'll be in and, Mobile. you know, I, I believe we have a live podcast over there in Mobile as well. Yeah, I, I believe gonna, it was on yeah. Wednesday, I believe it is. Yep. I can't remember exactly from what day, but later th- on in the week. 7.30 to 8 p.m., I think we're going to be at Squid Inc. over there in Mobile. Yeah. And, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. See you all down there, hopefully. Uh, potentially get to meet some of y'all, talk ball with y'all. That's what we love to do. You know, you know, we're football analysts. We're scouts in the draft community. But above all us, we're just fans, and we want to talk about ball with y'all. So, uh, anyone who can come over to that event, that live podcast, come on over, and we'd love to talk to y'all. Definitely. And we're also having a tailgate prior to the game on Saturday in front of Lab People Stadium from 9.30 to 1.30 Central Jordan time. and I will both so be there. We definitely will both be there. So look forward to meeting some of you guys. If you can't make it, we definitely will see you next year. But you can keep track with all that we're doing through the podcast. So really excited about that, man, and I can't wait 
finally get to meet Jonah in person, get to get back up with the TDN team. Haven't seen everybody since the summer. So really looking forward to getting back up with everybody. But once again, thank you guys for listening. We are the Locked On College Football Podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you have not done so already. Leave a five-star review. We will see you guys on Monday live from Mobile.